It's a delight to be able to be with you and worship with you this morning. In thinking about what I was going to say, I thought I'd like to share with you an article that appeared in the editorial in the Dallas Morning News. The editor writes, In church last week, I was intent on a young child who was turning around and smiling at everyone. He wasn't gurgling, spitting, humming, kicking, tearing hymnals, or rummaging through his mother's handbag. He was just smiling. Finally, his mother jerked him about. And in a stage whisper which could be heard in a little theater off Broadway, she said, Stop that grinning. You're in church. (laughs) And with that, she gave him a belt on his hind side. And then as the tears rolled down his cheeks, she added, that's better. (laughs) Then the editor continues with these words. What must they think, these children of ours? We sing, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, while our faces reflect the sadness of someone who just buried a rich aunt who left everything to a pregnant hamster. (laughs) There seems to be an idea out that if it's good, it can't be fun. It's fun, and religious is to be serious all the time. In fact, the more somber you look, obviously, the more religious you are. (laughs) Someone has said that these joyless religionists have just enough religion to make themselves miserable. And that's why Jesus' prayer in John the 17th chapter is so important. I've come that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. And I think we betray Jesus Christ when we make him out as some long-faced religionist, some party pooper, Somebody who always is a downer on things. In fact, if you really look at the Gospels, you'll find an incredible sense of humor. I mean, I think Jesus brought chuckles every time he told a story about a man walking around with a log sticking out of his eyeball while he tries to see clearly to get a speck of sawdust out of his neighbors. Or... Jesus talked about how that's easier, you know, about how that uh, you get so careful to strain a gnat out of your soup and then swallow a camel. Can you see Jesus describing that head, hoof, tail, hump, oh, down? Or how that it's easier for a rich man to get in heaven than for a camel to get through the eye of a darning needle. Now, pastor didn't know what to do that for a long time. He said, well, I was over there in Jerusalem, and they have this needle's eye gate where camels get down and have to take their packs off and screw it. And that's wonderful, except there was no needle's eye gate in any wall in Jesus' time that was put there by the crusaders. Jesus was talking about a darning needle. The apostle Paul said, who for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross despising the shame. You know, 
I've tried to figure out where this thing came from. Maybe it came from just good old American ancestors. I mean, you couldn't have got one of those New Englanders to make a smile even before their heirloom portrait. I mean, even John Calvin turned off the organ and would let artists play around in any bright colors. But Jesus simply is not cut out of mourning cloth no matter how many times the Pharisees dressed him down. The Bible says, clap your hands, shout to God with loud songs of joy. And tells us that the mountains are going to break forth and sing. The desert are going to rejoice and blossom. And the Bible tells us in powerful language that to be good and to be glad are not opposites. In fact, if you want to spend a long Sabbath afternoon, one of these long summers where Sabbath goes on and on and on, take your concordance. And start looking up all the text about joy. Well, you've got a long study. What did the angels sing when Jesus was born? Behold, we bring you tidings that are going to make you miserable. <laughs> Behold, we bring you tidings of great joy. For there is born in you in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You know, in fact, I've tried to figure out what it was that Jesus waited for his first miracle. I mean, who was dying? Who needed to be resurrected? What was the great thing that Jesus, for that first momentous miracle, the only thing I can figure out is that he was invited to this party, they ran out of punch, and they put him on the refreshment committee. <laughs> the joy was going down the tubes. And when the, the apostles were going from city to city, they weren't whipping up enthusiasm for the next ecumenical council or whipping them up about their tithe. The Bible says in the book of Romans that when they left, there was great joy in that city. In fact, the apostle Paul says the rule of God does not mean food and drink, but righteousness and peace. And joy in the Lord. And that's why Jesus' prayer was so powerful. I've come that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. As Americans, we've been chasing this pursuit of happiness around ever since the Constitution. You know, we had Mary Baker editing them positive thinking. We have all these preachers, you know, think positive. How is it? How is it that you and I are supposed to be full of joy? Now, 150 years ago when I started out in the ministry, <laughs> we had old-fashioned camp meetings. Put me in charge of the early teens. You know what that's like. Well, there's no honest, healthy, aware early teen that's going to ever go into the meeting. They all stand around outside. Now you say, all right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to go into the meeting. We're not going to put the tent over you. So when Jesus said, in the parable of the talents, every time the people were faithful, Jesus said, enter into the joy of your Lord. So how are we going to do this? Folks, I'm going to surprise you. You've got to get out your Bible today. It isn't going to be up there. 
get it out, open up the iPad, I'm sorry, whatever it is, and let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. All right, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 16. Notice what it says. Be always joyful. What does that say? Now, folks, I want you to be sometimes up, and I want you to be sometimes down. No, be always joyful. Pray continually, all right. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What does it say? Be always joyful. Philippians chapter 4. Let's look at that. Philippians chapter 4. Beginning with verse 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving... Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, what is this? Is Paul some sort of a nut here? Well, Paul, of course, had lived this wonderful life, folks. I mean, he wrote this book of Philippians right on the beach, did he? No. The book of Philippians was written from the hellhole of the world. It was written from the Mamertine prison, folks. That was one of the most god-awful places you could ever live. The apostle Paul writes from the Mamertine prison, one of the hellholes of earth, and he writes this whole book on joy. People say, well, we have all the problems. Have you ever been in the Mamertine prison? Now, Things are all right when they're pretty good. You get a letter from the Internal Revenue Service. It says you made a mistake on your income tax. Here's a $500 refund. The Lord's good. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You get that acceptance letter. The law school, medical school, dental school, whatever you're trying to go. The Lord's good. Isn't it wonderful? You're dating this beautiful gal. You say, wilt thou? She wilt. She said, yes. <laughs> Lord's good. But what about, what about if you get that letter from the Internal Revenue the Service that says you owe 500 bucks? What about when you get that one-legged grade from the, from Loma Linda, you know, that are not A's, they're F's. 
What about when you pop that question and she looks at you and said, are you kidding me? You're the last turkey on earth I'd ever marry. What about that? What about when people are talking about you? What about when people are calling you names? We need a pretty good authority for this one. Let's turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 6. I'm going to have to do something. My notes are falling off this thing. I saw a pastor. Oh, look at this. All right. Down in this hole. All right. Luke chapter 6. Here we go. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Yeah, we need a very good authority on this one. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Look what Jesus said. How blessed you are when men hate you. When they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man, on that day, leap for joy. For surely you have a rich reward in heaven, so they treat the prophets. When people are talking about you, when people are telling stories about you, when people are giving you a hearty time, leap for joy. The Apostle Paul had five terrible beatings. Two horrible stonings. He gets up. He dusts himself off. And he says, rejoice. All right, Lord. All right, Lord, if that's what you want me to do. I'm going to give thanks to God for everything. Good things as well as bad. But I'm going to do it in my brain. I'm not going to have somebody think I'm some sort of nut running around here. Uh -uh, It ain't going to work. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. You can find it's the last chapter just before James. You know where it is. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14. For here we do not have an enduring city, but looking for the city which is to come through Jesus, therefore... Let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name and do not forget to do good and share what you have with others for the sacrifices which God approves. You got to do it out loud. You can't hide it. You got to do it out loud. The Apostle Paul found himself in prison. He didn't know baby was going to die the next day. I don't know what you would do your last night in prison. But the Bible tells us that the Apostle Paul was singing praises to God. Now, history and tradition tells us that Paul had a horrible voice. He had a high, squeaky voice. In fact, it was so bad he was keeping the prisoners awake, it says there keeping them awake. And I think he was singing praises to God, and he had such a horrible voice that God decided to join in and sing with him. And as they were singing along, they came to a song that had a great big deep bass note. And said so Paul had a high squeaky voice. He couldn't get down and hit that great big deep bass note. So when they sang along, they got to the song with a great big deep bass note. God went down and hit that great big deep bass note, and a wall shook! <laughs> 
And he walked. I like it. And he walked out a free man. I don't think he'd been singing praises to God that they got to the place where the great big deep bass falls. Jehoshaphat found himself in trouble. You read about it in Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter. Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat, was about to be attacked by three kings. He couldn't handle one of them, let alone three. So he did the only logical thing. He sent the choir out. The choir goes out singing. Their army is waiting in ambush. They say to themselves, hey, you hear that? Yeah. Hey, that's singing. Yeah. Well, nobody sings unless they're winning. So if they're winning, obviously we're losing. So we better get to fighting. According to the Bible, by the time the choir got out there, they've killed each other off. You see, this is God's method of handling things. The Bible says that the person thinks in their hearts, that's what they become. But you see, it doesn't happen easily. Sometimes, I'm sorry, I know righteous my faith, but sometimes it takes just a little old teeth gritted willpower. And you start giving thanks to God whether you feel like it or not. And you start doing it. And pretty soon, there's just a little wet spot on the wall. And then pretty soon it's a little trickle. And pretty soon it's a little stream. And pretty soon it's a raging torrent of joy. When you give thanks to God for everything. I can visit two people in the hospital. One of them, they both have brain cancer. One of them will turn their face to the wall and be angry at God and everybody around them. And the other will be saying, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that it didn't happen when the children were young. I'm so thankful it didn't happen. I'm so thankful that I'm going to be able to go home for a few days. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Somebody gets hurt in an accident. Because you see, thankfulness is learned. I visit somebody in the hospital that's been in a terrible accident. You start visiting them. The first thing they're doing, oh, this is such a wonderful hospital. This is such wonderful people. They're taking such good care of me. And, and a week later, they start talking about how lucky they are. Six months later, they turn around and sue everybody in sight. Why? Because they haven't learned to be thankful. When I was an academy student, I remember that we had a dean that was leaving us. And so we gave him a party and started telling him how bad we felt that he was leaving. And he just looked like he was a deer in headlights. He said, I don't understand. He said, I'm leaving because I thought there was nobody here that liked me. Because all he heard from us was, Oh, Dean, oh, Dean, do we have to wear a tie? Oh, Dean, do we have to go to that program? Oh, Dean, oh, Dean, oh, Dean, oh, Dean, oh, Dean. That's all he heard. We liked the guy, but we weren't too stupid to say the things we did like. We didn't like to gripe all the time. But you see, that's the way it is. A person is something you've got to learn to do because that's what God has said to do. But when we're veritable spirit to, we're seldom in church. We seldom study the Word of God. We seldom pray. It's hard to change 
from I'm so thankful to just I'm lucky. We have to learn it. It's something God has said we need to do. So you mean to tell me that when my wife redesigns our new car on a telephone pole, that I'm supposed to give thanks for that? (laughs) You got it. (laughs) The Bible says give thanks in all circumstances. There's a delightful story that comes out of the Vietnam War about Ron and Sue. One day, Sue came into the chaplain's office and said she'd just gotten word that Ron, her husband, who had been, had to go to Vietnam. Now, it had been a traumatic for the family that he had been drafted, but he was on the base. But now, word had come he was actually going to have to go to Vietnam. So she said, you know, she said, can you help me? She said, you know, I, I grew up in a family. I, I'm, I, my mom and dad are gone. I, I'm a, I just, and he's the only man I have. And, and you've got to help me. Because she, she thought maybe the chaplain could pull some strings, you know, and get some good So the chaplain began to talk to her about some of the things we talked about. He gave her a Bible study. How that you got to give thanks to God for everything, good things as well as bad. you got to do it out loud. So he says, what I want you to do is just go home and thank the Lord that Ron is going to Vietnam. <laughs> that is not what Sue wanted to hear. And she had sat there on the edge of the chair, ramrod sh- straight. Her eyes were, caught, were just been red from crying. Her tank had just been in a knot. And she was in control, but when the chaplain said that, the dam broke. She burst into tears and was tearing out of the office. About an hour later, Ron came in and said, What in the world did you say to Sue? Well, the chaplain said, I just gave her a Bible study. I just told her what God said, how that we have to give thanks to God for everything, good things as well as bad, that we have to do it out loud. And I just told her that she needed to give down and thank the Lord that you were going over to Vietnam. You... Oh, he said. He just got it walked out. Well, things didn't get any better. Two weeks went by. Finally, they both came back to the chaplain's office again. So the chaplain went through the same thing. Give thanks to God for everything, good things as well as bad. You need to do it out loud. Get down and thank the Lord you're going to be enough. All right. So they went next door to the little base chapel. Nobody was there. Closed the door. And they prayed. Ron prayed first. Lord, Lord, I'm so thankful I'm going over to Vietnam. I'm so thankful that Sue's going to be here all by herself. I'm so thankful she doesn't have anybody here to take care of her. I'm so thankful she's going to be miserable. I'm so thankful. Amen. Then Sue prayed, Lord, I'm so thankful that Ron's going over to Vietnam. I'm so thankful I'm going to be here all by myself. I'm so thankful I don't have anybody to take care of me. I'm so thankful I'm going to be miserable. I'm so thankful he's probably going to get killed over there. Amen. Well, Ron had to go to work. So Sue sat down outside the chaplain's office to kind of pull herself together. One of young soldier came in, sat down beside her, 
waiting to see the chaplain. Well, Sue was the curious type. She wanted to know what he wanted to see the chaplain about. Well, he wanted to tell her. So he pulls out this letter that he had just gotten from his wife where she told him that she was leaving him for another man. And then he showed her pictures of his wife and his children. She said, don't go in to see him. (laughs) He won't do a thing. Well, they were showing pictures. And she said, wait a minute. Turn that picture back. So he turned it back. She said, what are you doing with a picture of my mother in your wallet? No, 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 no. <laughs> it's not your mother. He said, it's my mother. No, she said, in the foster family that I lived, there was a picture like that in the top drawer. That's a picture of my mother. Oh, no, no. no I don't have any sisters. You guessed it, didn't you? Out of millions, hundreds of millions of people in this United States, God put her brother right beside her to take care of her. You see, it is God's plan. It is the way God works. It is His thing. All things work together for good. It is God's plan to give thanks to God for everything. But there's one other thing. The Bible says you've got to share it with others. You know, my grandmother, bless her heart, every time you went to visit her, you got a full organ recital. You know, this organ, this organ, this organ, this organ. She didn't know which was going to kill her first. Well, there was a family next door that took care of foster children. And one day the lady came over, and there had been a tragedy in the family, and she wanted to know if my grandmother would take care of the two little foster boys for a couple of weeks while she was gone. Well, it fit perfectly into my grandmother's martyr attitude. All right, she'd do something for the Lord. (laughs) They brought the boys over asleep the next morning. The next morning at the crack of dawn, those kids were up. They were in and out of the house. She was chasing them. She was feeding them. She was dressing them. In two weeks, she was healed. <laughs> she didn't have time to think about, you know, well, nobody ever wasn't in church last week and nobody called me and nobody cares anything about me and all that other stupid stuff. You got to give thanks to God for everything. You got to do it out loud. You got to get excited. And then you got to share it with others. And then we're going to be eligible to be those that are going to be found on the sea of glass. Turn with me to Revelation, the 19th chapter. Revelation, chapter 19. And notice who God saves. Notice who God gathers around him. Notice those people that are going to be on the sea of glass. Revelation, the 19th chapter. Verse 5, and then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you that fear him both great and small. And then I heard 
like the sound of a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and great sounds of peals of thunder, and great shouts of joy singing, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God reigneth. Let us dance for joy, for the wedding day of the Lamb has come. Heavenly Father, teach us to give thanks for everything and be filled with your joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.